Hey there, welcome to The Conversation. I'm Brooke Thomas, and I'm so glad to be here. You know, Jake is out. Sometimes, you know, I try to, like, scoop in and get a chance to be able to talk to you guys one-on-one. I'm glad to be here. We're talking climate change all show long today, so let's get right into it because we've got a couple of great guests, and I think um, you're going to be interested in what they have to say. First up, we have Wayne Shung, organizer for Direct Action Everywhere and formerly a corporate lawyer and professor of law at Northwestern. Wayne, good evening. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. So I did a little research on you, obviously, and I just want to get right into it. Can you break down for our viewers the protest that happened at the Purdue Chicken Farm? Last September, there were about 150 of us who went to a massive factory farm that is the largest organic supplier of chicken to the nation. And contrary to what the company had been saying, these animals are raised indoors in massive industrial sheds. They're suffering from horrific diseases that are making human beings sick. And they're suffering from just ungodly cruelty. And under California law, when an animal is being abused, private citizens actually have the right to intervene to give them food and water to assist them. That's what we did. We exercised our legal rights, but notwithstanding the fact that we had a legal opinion from one of the most prominent criminal law scholars in the state of California defending our actions. The officers swept up 58 of us, charged with multiple felonies and put people in jail on $20,000 bail. Oh my goodness. Um, break down a little <laughs> bit more just for our viewers because you touched on it a little like what's what's going on with the animals and um, how this is affecting actually human beings as well. Absolutely. What, what, do you, what did you feel like your purpose was of being there? What did you all want to happen once you, you, you went there for this protest? Well, over the past 10 years of modern social media technology, everyone's got a smartphone, including workers, mm-hmm. ordinary citizens. When we see animal abuse, when we see something disgusting happening in the food system, we don't have to rely on corporate media. We can just pull out our iPhones and take a photo. And that's what people have been doing across the entire globe. And as a result of all these investigations, a lot of ordinary people are rising up. They're saying enough is enough. We don't like animals being brutalized, torn to pieces, left to starve to death on a four of a factory farm. We don't like to see diseases in our food system that are killing off thousands of kids. As as we speak and talk today, there are 20 to 30,000 Americans who die from a disease called MRSA that comes from pig farms. Mm-hmm. And we certainly don't like being lied to by the biggest food conglomerates in the nation. Companies like Costco, Whole Foods, Amazon like to market their products as free range, humane, and sustainable. And what people don't know is that behind closed doors, animals are being absolutely brutalized. And so what's happened is ordinary citizens are now starting to protest the system in the same way we're protesting fossil fuels and other corporate abuse. And I know we have a look at what you all saw while you were there. And so I want to roll that footage while you're telling me, you know, exactly what you saw when sure. you all stepped on the farm that day? Well, this is the, the kind of largest organic poultry producer in the nation, Purdue Foods. And they market their product as free range, sustainable and humane. And and most people who buy these products pay a pretty penny. They're paying sometimes two to three times the amount they pay for ordinary chicken in order to do something they think is good for animals, good for the planet and good for workers. What we found time and time again is that all this is puffery. That what you see in these so-called organic poultry facilities is animals like this baby bird collapsing the ground, dying of disease. Animals in crowded industrial sheds, so tightly crammed they can't even stand up, turn around, or spread their wings without touching another animal. And workers being abused too. Most of these workers are undocumented. They have very little privilege. And when they report abuses, they get fired and punished as well. And I've got friends who work in the industry who are sick and tired. So it's not just vegans and vegetarians are rising up its factory farms. It's the farmers themselves. They're saying enough is enough. Stop forcing us to torture animals and make the community around me sick. We need to stop the system before it gets too late. Wayne, let's talk about this chicken supplier because that video was horrifying and I think a lot of people are gonna see that and be freaked out. Who do who buys their products? 
Yeah, shockingly, it's it's some of the biggest and most reputable grocers in the nation. Companies like Safeway, Whole Foods, Amazon, which is making a huge push in a food that a multi-billion dollar acquisition of Whole Foods just a few years ago. So when you go and buy chicken at your local grocery store, thinking you're doing something good for the environment, for the animals, something that's safe for your kids to eat, what you don't know is there's virtually no regulation of the food system at all. And when people like me, you know, I'm, I'm a corporate lawyer, I've been a law professor, I've done animal law for the past 15 years of my life, when mm -hmm. we report these incidents of misconduct to the government, instead of the government addressing the cruelty in the farms, they're now going after the activists. And, and so people like me, I'm facing 15 felonies across four different cases for merely taking photographs inside factory farms, exposing the use of antibiotics that are dangerous to human kids, and showcasing animal cruelty that most ordinary citizens just can't bear to see. I want to go back to what you just said. You said facing 15 <laughs> felonies. And I know that weren't something like almost 60 people were arrested during that protest that we're talking yeah. about uh, right now. What's to, to break that down? Tell me what's going on there. Yeah, well, I mean, some of these folks are, are teenagers, they're grandmothers who have no criminal history at all. You know, one of these young women was just standing outside the farm in a medical care tent giving water to the animals. That's all she mm. was doing. And she was swept up too. 58 activists in total were charged with multiple felonies. They charged them with felony burglary, felony conspiracy, felony larceny for merely removing animals who are basically trash animals, animals who are collapsed on the ground, dying of starvation. And this isn't just the activists saying this. The government's own veterinarians inspected the facility, looked at the animals and found these animals are starving to death. They're sick of diseases that potentially could infect the human population as well and, and referred this company, this farm for criminal prosecution. But the prosecutor looked at this evidence, looked at these animals, sometimes of gaping holes in their side that were so deep you could see the muscle and bone of the animals. You could see the, the animal's flesh literally rotting. Saw that this referral for criminal prosecution and said, you know, I'm gonna charge the activists instead of the farm. And, and the, the answer quite simply is money in politics. Mm -hmm. That peddle the poultry and Purdue Foods donate thousands of dollars to local politicians. They donate to a supervisor by the name of David Rabbit who's received thousands of dollars from local big ag concerns. And they're returning the favor by going after the activists who are exposing the misconduct. Wayne, we have another video that I wanna show as well, because I know that this is a bit of what happened, because it's not just the animals at this farm, there are employees there as well. And this is a look at what happened with the employees. They confronted you, am I right? Yeah, some of the employees did confront us, unfortunately, and they, they were not very peaceful with us. And the, the funny thing is, as often happens with the government, when the government issued a press release right after this demonstration, they accused us of violence. They charged us with assault. And the video tells a very different story. When let's, you see what's actually happening, go ahead and play yeah, it. Yeah, let's mean, take a look shocking. at that. Yeah. These are animals that were found inside your farm. This is a live animal, he's on the ground. This is another animal who's decomposing inside the farm. And again, we have nothing but compassion in our hearts for you as well. I'd love to talk to you about this and work through these findings. When you have animals in situations like this, us of us in jail and reported to the media that we were the ones who engaged in violence against the activists. And we're seeing this time and time again, where there's police misconduct and government misconduct and industry misconduct. When powerful people abuse their power, instead of holding the power accountable, the government accuses the victims of misconduct. And that's what happened in this case. Wayne, can you tell me a little bit about the Animal Liberation Conference? Because now we're we, we, you want to do something else about this, and you have a pretty big con a conference planned. Uh, tell me about that. 
Yeah, the great thing about all this kind of draconian overreach by the prosecutions in Sonoma County and in Utah and North Carolina, and and kind of the the unprecedented felony charges against activists is it's driven enormous amount of media attention, and we've had some of the the nation's most prominent political journalists, people like Pulitzer Prize winner Glenn Greenwald, the found uh, the the host of Democracy Now, Amy Goodman, now the Young Turks as well, publicizing these issues because they're seeing that whistleblowers are being put in prison. They're being threatened with 15 felonies. And so the Animal Liberation Conference is an effort by all the people are concerned about corporate control over the food system, including some farmers themselves, coming together and saying, what are we gonna do about this? What are we gonna do about the fact that factory farms are polluting the air and the water, and the Trump administration has rolled back all environmental protections? What are you gonna do about the fact that climate change is being driven in no small part by factory farms? The emissions from pig farms and cow farms are polluting our, our air and causing so many methane and carbon dioxide emissions that they're now considered one of the world's largest contributors to climate change. What are we gonna do about the fact that some of these so-called food products are so contaminated with disease and feces and antibiotics that they have superbugs that not only are hurting our kids and our families, but are completely resistant to all antibiotics that we usually use to treat these diseases. I mean, these are big systemic national and frankly international problems that need to be addressed. And the Animal Liberation Conference is an effort by politicians, farmers, legislators, animal rights activists, people from across the world are coming to UC Berkeley in just a few weeks to, to decide together what we can do about this oppressive and violent system that's destroying the planet, destroying our communities and destroying animals on an unprecedented scale. Wayne, before we wrap up, I you know I want to learn a little bit more just about you personally because um, I think a lot of people consider themselves animal lovers and want the best yeah. for animals, but not enough people are and not many are willing to go to this length to save their lives and 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 say yeah. and, you know and and allow them and hope for that they're treated better. And I wonder why this is something that you're so passionate about. And my story is the story of so many immigrant families across this nation where we came to this country with 40 bucks in our pockets and just a dream. And mm -hmm. this country has given us a huge amount. But honestly, the thing that I got most from this country was the love of dogs and the love of animals. Like in my home country, they kill and eat dogs for food. And and it was a horrible thing for me to see as a child, dogs being beaten. But I didn't have the connection to animals that I that I developed here in this country. And, and partly because all of my neighbors had dogs. I saw animals not just as things for us to abuse and use for corporations to profit off of, but as living creatures to respect. And my dog was my best friend, like many of you. Maybe you have a dog, Brooke. And we know these animals are not just things. They're not just things for a corporation to abuse and profit. Office. So my story is the story of so many Americans in this country and that I had personal experiences of animals that taught me that they're they're living creatures, they're sentient. And I think we're we're reaching a point, an inflection point in our society where more and more people are realizing that pigs, cows, and chickens are just like our dogs and cats at home, that they are being absolutely brutalized by corporate misconduct. But most importantly, that there is something we can do about it. And we are doing something about it. the Animal Liberation Conference with mass protests across the entire nation and across the globe. Something is changing in our society and people are starting to realize as they realized of gay rights 20 years ago, that there's something happening to people we care about, to animals we care about, and there's something we need to change in our society to address it. Wayne Chung, director for, organizer, excuse me, for Direct Action Everywhere, and you all have the Animal Liberation Conference coming up at the end of this month. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thanks so much, Buck. We appreciate all your coverage. Absolutely. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, but we'll be right back, still talking about the climate, and we're gonna be talking a little bit more about why and why we can do better, how we should do better in covering climate change as media as a whole. We'll be right back. 
Hey there, welcome back to The Conversation. I'm Brooke Thomas, filling in for Jank tonight. And uh, like I promised you, we are going to consider the, con, consider, cons, continue the conversation on climate change. Um, but now we're shifting just a little bit. So we're gonna bring in our next guest, Allison Fisher, the Outreach Director at Public Citizen. Allison, good evening, thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm glad to have you here. So you're here to talk about climate change coverage and how uh, the media as a whole is not covering it enough. Can you break that down for me? Yeah, it's not even about whether they're covering it enough. Um, In this case, um, clearly they're not. But um, in this case, we're actually looking at when they do cover it, how well are they covering it? And are they conveying a sense of urgency in this issue? Um, And what we found is overwhelmingly they're not. Um, Our report looks at data um, for all of 2018. So all of the segments in which they're talking about climate change, um, we're looking at whether or not they're calling it a crisis or referring to it as an emergency. Um, And what we found was less than 4% um, of those segments are calling it uh, a crisis and using the kind of language that really signals to the American people that we're in trouble and the time to act is now. And just to give a little bit of context about 2018, and I don't have to give a lot of detail about this, but we know that we had another year of um, unprecedented wildfires, uh, storms, um, heat waves, and just another round of overwhelming costs and and death tolls um, because of uh, Climate-fueled um, weather. Um, these, this is apocalyptic stuff, and the the uh, media is just not couching it in those terms or sending a signal that um, uh, that we're in crisis, and we are. I'm curious, as if taking this a step further, you feel as if sometimes the coverage minimizes or mocks the issue because now we've broken down how um, the coverage is not as serious as it should be. But I wonder if going all the way to the other end, if you think it's being mocked or minimized. Well, certainly in some markets it is. Um, what we found in the, the report, um, we looked at across the board, we looked at all of the major network news programs, um, ABC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC, and Fox. Um, and spoiler alert, right? So mm-hmm. Fox was undoubtedly um to use your word, mocking um, anybody that referred to um, the current situation of us overheating our planet, um, calling it a crisis. They they mocked and, and belittled um, that term and that idea and people that are um, putting that out there and saying this is the way that we need to define the terms of this issue now. And you know, Oftentimes, when the coverage looks like just as you've described, and it's someone who's come on as an expert to debunk climate change, they're never scientists. Why do you think that is so widely accepted? People who don't study the issue telling you that it doesn't exist and going on, being able to go on, you know, major platforms to do yeah. so. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting having. Um I don't watch Fox News, (laughs) but I've been exposed to um, a lot of what they're saying because I've read hundreds and hundreds of transcripts (laughs) um, around this issue. And it's interesting the way that they bring on some of these characters. Um, They they seem to have um, a pretty shallow roster of folks that they bring on regularly to basically talk nonsense and gibberish um, about this issue. Um, It's... uh, 
more than anything, it's demeaning. And unfortunately, they have such a huge audience um, that they're exposing this to. Um, the, you know, the way that they describe kind of the credentials of the people that they're bringing on, I think are a little bit overblown and maybe um, suggesting that they're experts when when maybe they're not. They certainly are contrarians and they're they're probably well paid to say the things that they do. Um, is there a network doing the best job and maybe <laughs> shocker one doing the worst? <laughs> I bet I can guess um, it was one of these. <laughs> well, I think we covered the worst. Right. Um, you know, it's it's hard to say. Um, in the report itself, and again, not looking at overall coverage, but kind of who's using this term, um, I think that we we're finding CNN was kind of the the cream of the crop there um, in terms of overall um, segments. Um, MSNBC, Chris Hayes is doing a fantastic job on this issue. Um, you know, it's unfortunately, it's really hard to say because when you're talking about percentage points that are below 10, mm-hmm. um, it's really hard to say anybody's doing the best. <laughs> um, what you can say is that there's a ton of room for improvement. And that's a, a big part of why we, we did this report to expose um, this issue and then also to, to use it to undergird like a larger effort um, to pressure these networks to start calling it what it is and start then covering it like it is as well. Um, okay, so let's break down another aspect of coverage that I, I, it's just fascinating to me because now we've touched on how um, the media coverage is not you know, doing what it's supposed to do and call it in crisis, call it an emergency. Mm-hmm. I also am fascinated by and horrified at the same time by the fact that it's kind of a forgotten aspect of this conversation how climate change specifically affects communities of color and people of color, especially in cities and um, you know all across <laughs> the country. And I wonder if that's something you all have looked at and um, your thoughts on that. Certainly. So a, a couple of things that I can say about that. Okay. Again, um, having you know read through all these transcripts is um, they're not they're not bringing on guests that can talk to that issue. Um, they just you know, they're not bringing on the right people. They're not talking to the impacted people. If you talk to the impacted people in the frontline communities and the ones that are experiencing now, you're going to get a sense of urgency that they're in crisis, that a response needs to come and quick. Um, but those are not, by and large, the people that they're that they're talking to. Um, so, so that's that's highly problematic. Um, another issue, just kind of in general, about the media in this issue, mm-hmm. is they're not—they're um, not finding ways to make the climate crisis resonate and and with the public and make it matter to the people that they're talking to. And part of the reason why they're not is because they're not telling those stories that you just alluded to. Um, let's see how it's affecting us. That's you know, let's stop talking about numbers and stop debating the science and stop talking about political horse racing and let's talk about what's happening on the ground and and who's who's suffering. What do you think needs? How can this be fixed? How can these networks do a better job? What needs to change? And and you know, do you think it's likely to change? Um, I mean, the short answer to what they can do in the immediate term is to start using this language that we're that we're suggesting. Mm-hmm. Um, what this report wanted to do, and you know, we're not the first ones to say that 
climate change as a term is insufficient in describing what we're doing to the planet. Um, there are many people in this space that have long since abandoned that term and are embracing um, communications and language in terms that really, again, convey the urgency. So, you know, we want these networks to start using these terms, crisis, um, breakdown, emergency, chaos, um, and send the signal that they need to the American people that this is this is where we're at um, and that we need a response immediately. Um, are they going to do it? It's the second part of your question. <laughs> um, well, I think there's a couple of things at play here. Um, one, this um, increased pressure um, that an effort that we're part of by outside groups and just uh, Americans um, uh, in general um, on these these networks to do their job and to remember their core principles in this democracy to inform and to to engage and rouse the people to action. Um, I think is 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 putting pressure on them, and, and I'm hope working. Um, I think the other thing is that there's. Um, there seems to be a growing awareness in the journalist community itself. Um, I just attended uh, last week, a week ago, in New York City, a conference hosted by The Nation and the Columbia um, Journalism Review um, at Columbia University. Um, and the conference was called Covering Climate Now. What is this new playbook for a world that is 1.5 degree warming? And so, you know, they're bringing together their community and they're saying, how can we make a difference? Um, so there's pressure from out, there's pressure from within. And then unfortunately, um, I think, you know, they're inevitably going to have to cover this. There's going to be more storms. There's going to be more extreme weather events um, and more often. And so we're, whether or not they like it <laughs> or whether or not we all like it, it's going to be have to be on the front pages sooner rather than later if we don't act. Allison Fisher with Public Citizen, thank you so much for being here um, with us tonight. Thank you. All right, that's it for the conversation, but that's okay because post game is back. So that means Anna's back in here. We are going to have a little fun and talk about um, an important topic that's being handled in a really ridiculous way and maybe have some time for some other stuff too. So listen, I'm Brooke Thomas. This has been The Conversation. I'm so glad to be here every time you all will have me. Um, I hope you have a good night, but also keep watching. <laughs>